0: We're looking at a passage where um, paul where Peter addresses the issue of of wives being submissive to your husbands a really really important passage so let's read it together well, I'll read it and you can follow along and then we'll have a look at um, this very very important passage first um, Peter chapter three we'll read verses one to eight just to give a little bit of context
1: wives
0: in the same way be submissive to your and I've got the NIV version, but uh, the modern, the latest NIV puts own properly in there. It says, Be submissive to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives... Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of the inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Now, the word there should, I think, be vessels. It's the idea is body, as the one with the weaker body. That's generally the case. And as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another, be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word, we thank you it's given as a light our paths, a comfort to our souls and a protection against sin and destruction in our lives we pray as we look at this passage we pray Lord that your spirit would lead us and guide us help us to hear your word and to apply it in our lives for Jesus sake we pray Amen Um, this uh, passage is is quite unique in scripture in that um, it's one of the actually rare passage in the Bible where it actually addresses women directly. Most of the Bible is, is actually, to be very frank, it's, a, it's patriarchal in its sentiment. Most of the instruction is given to, um, to men husbands and fathers and then indirectly to women and children whereas in this passage um, there's a few other ones that do the same this addresses women particularly and saying um, this is um, God's will in um, for you and so we see in 1st Peter chapter 5 verse 12 that um, Peter writes what he's actually writing the whole of his letter about. Why is he actually writing this? And why are these words, which he's written here, given to us? And he says, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of god stand fast in it so what peter is doing is he's he's not looking at cultural situations he's looking um, at god's truth the gospel and he's simply saying look i'm just putting as briefly as i can all of the main teachings, so that you would understand what the true message of gospel is and what it means to be a follower of jesus and so um, the reason I say that is, is because as Peter addresses the church here, um, we shouldn't be surprised that what he says here is contrary to what the world says. What the world says is often false and incorrect in fact the world is wrong in many ways part of the the teaching of scripture is is the world has has gone away from god and so uh, jesus you know, god says at one point my thoughts are not your thoughts my ways are not your ways and so god's thinking and perspective on these on on truths and and the realities of His world are often different and so particularly on this topic we we have voices in the world which are very contrary to that and I realize that in fact I sort of feel like every message I preach I'm preaching exactly the opposite of what is commonly heard and so there's always tension but um, one of the great powerful influences in this world at the moment is feminism if you go to a university they tell you how you are to write I tell you the words that you are allowed to use and the words you couldn't use because of the, the, the prominence of a doctrine of feminism. Now, some bits of it are good points. Some are not so good. Some are blatantly evil. And so we, um, in these passages, have a very, just a, incredible summary of some key points as to um what god would want for a woman and really as i've thought about it it is telling a woman how to have um how to be a beautiful woman and a peaceful one how to find as much peace and beauty and eternal beauty um in your life and so that's what we want to see um in this passage is how can how can you be a beautiful woman, eternally beautiful. Now, um, I'm just looking at three points and they're big ones. I'm not going to go too much into the nitty gritty how because if um, I did that, I've had thousands and thousands of options but it's mainly I just want us to lay down, well, what what is Peter and what do the scriptures say? Now, the... First thing I just want to mention is, is the logic of this passage. I just want us to take, through, take us through in the context. In there, in verse. Thirteen of Chapter Two, Peter writes as he 's instructing the Church as to you know, what it means for us to live as Christians. He writes the issue of submission because the issue of submission is a huge one. Christians are to be people who fit in with a submission or a or an authority structure, and so he says, Submit yourselves.' for the Lord's sake, to every inhuman authority. So he says that in verse 13, in chapter 2. And then in chapter, in verse 18, he says, slaves in the fear of God, and then he says a few things, he says, follow in Christ's steps. And so he says that um, we are to... It's people who are working as slaves, they are to respond to the submission to their masters or their bosses in the fear of God. And then in three one, he addresses the wives, his wives in the same way. And so in the same way means in the same fear and reverence of God. And then in verse 5 of chapter 3, says in the same way, so in the fear of God, and gives the example of Sarah. And then in chapter, verse 7, he, to Peter addresses the husbands and he says husbands in the same way, that is in the fear of God and he gives some instructions about the men, how the men should behave. Now, I'm not focusing on that today, I'm looking at women and then actually later in chapter 5, verse 5, he says again in the same way, which is in the fear of God, younger people and so he addresses the younger people and so he's addressed all kinds of different parts of society and basically he he addresses the issue of submission to authority structure out of a reverence for God now what is this authority structure which um, Peter lays down well he says that um, that there is this authority structure in society and it applies to the family when it comes to the family there is this structure there's God the father and then he has given all authority to Christ our king and he is our king and so all authority should bow before Christ and Christ ultimately is the head of every family not the husband but Christ is and under the authority of of Christ is the church and you can see in this passage how the church addresses the family and the fathers the mothers the kids the people of all sorts and gives them Christ's instruction so Christ gives instruction to the church which we often we see in the scriptures and then over the, the church is to the husband and so you see the scriptures usually address the the women through the husbands and the authority structure of the church and then under the husband is the wife and then under the the authority of the husband wife the church the Christ and, the, and God is Children. So that's the authority structure which is which is laid down in Scripture. Now, I just want to make one point as we have a look, and this is because we, like when Peter wrote this, the issue of women being submission, being subjection or submission or obeying their their husbands was not in question. That was actually the cultural norm, and it's nor it's been the cultural norm in most places in history. until just very recent times, so peter's addressing actually a situation where they've accepted that, but I realize we 're not this is um, being called into a, in, into um, question um, but so so to mention I just want to add that in this passage, Peter makes it very clear that as far as being a woman or a female goes, a woman is only asked to be in submission to one person because of their gender. Only one, and that's their husband. Other than that, the sexes are equal as far as that goes. It's only when a woman gets married is that she adds to the authority structure one for her, and that's one man. Now, when Peter wrote this, most most marriages were were organised, and often the woman did not even have much of a say in it, which I don't think is a good idea. But often that was the case. Nowadays, um, women have the choice usually to choose the man that they're going to marry, and so my point is is um, God has commanded the wife to be submissive, to be under the authority of her husband. If you've got the choice, choose wisely if you 've made the choice well you 've made your bed you 've got you 've got to work with it. I encourage you to choose wisely if you 're single if you 're without a husband for some reason, cool, you are as free as a bird as as free as a man is, maybe freer and so um, the next think point I want to make, and again this is because there 's lots of thoughts around, and that is is that the the authority structure was established in creation before sin came into the world. Often we would view that authority is a bad thing, which is not true. Authority is established before sin came into the world. In fact, sin came into the world in the fall as a result of Adam and Eve not following the authority structures that were given. The woman rebelled against God and her husband and ate the food ate the, the forbidden fruit and she then gave it to her husband and he ate instead of following God he followed his wife which is um, so that's the thing and so the, often you hear and it's a modern I think a heresy but, but um, the authority structure and particularly wives being submissive to their husband is something which no, is Christ has abolished But actually the New Testament is consistent in reinforcing this teaching that the result of we living in a cursed world, the authority structures are not less important but more important for the protection of women and for the protection and health of our society. And um, the final thing before I leave this, I, that, what this passage brings, is it gives women two really important reasons to follow the, the authority structure, to understand that they must fit in and be submissive to their husbands. And that is, they should do it out of a fear of God. In other words, if a woman brings herself out from under the authority of a husband, what happens is she... she she brings herself in opposition to God's order in her life and brings, puts herself in the position of judgment and, and both temporal and eternal consequences. And so that's what it says, wives in the same way, in the fear of the Lord... Out of the fear of God, submit to your husbands, because if you don't, you lose some of the protection which God offers you in that authority structure. And the second reason that the passage gives for women to be um, to fit into that Um, authority structure is is because of the love of christ the example of christ a woman would say hey that's not fair i don't want to be submissive to this man because sometimes he makes really bad decisions and sometimes he's not very nice etc etc there's a thousand reasons i agree with every one of them and scripture understands that but what um the passage brings to us, and you can see this in the verses just before with what I read out, is is that we follow Christ, who he received all authority and he asks, he establishes that and asks us to follow it, but he himself, when he became a man, lived under the authority structure. He lived, he learned obedience to parents, to his mum and his father. He, he learned obedience to authority structures. He even gave himself in obedience to death on a cross. But the point of that is he did that so that he could show us his, his love for us and so he could redeem us. And so, a woman, in fact, every person when we we're asked to be in submission to people, we are, we are given two reasons, the fear of God and the love of God. And that's why we fit in with these um, authority structures. Now, the second point I want to make is, is that um, Peter addresses the issue of adornment. He says, let your adornment not be with fancy hairdos, lots of, lots of jewellery, um, beautiful, wonderful clothes but let it be the inner person. And um, the idea here is this, and it's actually very surprising. The word beauty, which he uses, is the word cosmos. And I don't know if anyone understands how cosmos is normally translated. It's normally translated world. So the word for world in the Bible is cosmos. But it says, it's very funny to read it in the Greek, which I do. It says, women, let your cosmos be not these things you know what does it mean what does it mean um how 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 come it uses the word cosmos here and the idea here is this is that um god has made the world when he made it he made it originally in the in the first day that it had it was without order and it was empty and in Creating there, he took the the emptiness and the disorderliness of the original stuff of the world, and he then brought order into it. And the idea here is is that beauty comes from bringing things into order. And so Peter says is um, that he wants the woman to to beautify herself, to bring order and structure and value into her into herself and into her actions and so that's the the passage here and as he's talking about being a beautiful woman he says I want your focus not on the external things but on the internal things so that you bring eternal beauty and order into your your life and into yourself and so um I think, I've, as I've thought about it, and I've thought about it a lot for about months actually, as I've been putting off preaching on this, on this topic, is saying it's just amazing how God, with beauty, beauty comes from putting things in order. And um, particularly, you see that demonstrated in the way humans manifest our being created in the image of God. We want to bring order into it. Um, and if there's not order, if things look Ugly. Like, if I had one big eye like this and one little eye, squinty eye here and I had one great big ear and one little ear and I was all out of shape, you'd go, oh, he's ugly. Because beauty actually comes and it's actually inbuilt in our brain. When things are regular and proper, they look beautiful. Now, sometimes there's some fashions which come in and the, the, the point of the fashion, I call them grossing fashions. They're designed to shock. So, oh, that's not right because they look odd and they, look, they, don't, they, look, they, they get attention because they, they break that which their mind recognises as beautiful. Now, the point here that Peter is saying is he's saying, women, um, I want you, your, your focus is on hair, jewellery, clothing. Now, I've tried to avoid as, as much as possible generalisations because in our day of feminism, as soon as you give a generalisation, everyone says, no, 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 it's not true for everything. True. True. That's the nature of a generalisation. Humans vary, male and female, but and also personality. But one of the things I think I don't think anyone's going to argue with me. I think I'm right, and um, Paul, Peter, and the Bible's reckon I'm right on these things. And that is, is that women put a lot, a lot more attention on hair, jewellery, and clothing than men, on average. And so what happens is the, the desire of a woman as she seeks to bring beauty into her life, to make herself beauty and to make her life a, a life of beauty and dignity and value, as she seeks to do that, um, there's the, the thing that can happen is is that the, the, it all goes on the external because it makes you feel beautiful. And what happens is... I. It's actually something I use in counselling. When I see an overfocus on these things, there's usually deep hurts, wounds, and so on. And as soon as I see them, I go looking for them. That's a secret. Okay. So hair, women, the, the hair is is. The Bible says the. It is the physical glory of the woman to have beautiful long hair. And so women understand that. They understand it intrinsically. Girls are going off to the hair saloon every month or whatever. I went for 30 years without going to a barber. True. I just cut it off. That's good enough for me. Wasn't probably good enough for wasn't good enough for my wife, probably. She said, Oh Russ, can you look, look after your hair a bit better? I've never had to tell my wife to look after her hair. Never. Never. She she she's concerned why because the the hair is an external thing on the body but it it points to an an internal spiritual reality which is a woman finds um this glory in fitting in with the authority structure of God and so we're told in scripture that that the head covering is a symbol of submission to authority. And so that's what's going on with a woman. And so um, don't focus in on the external, the hair. Focus in on the inner thing, which is putting yourself in proper order in submission and that's what brings this eternal inner beauty not just the external thing which can be very hypocritical. The second thing he talks about is is um, diamond is, ring, is jewelry. Now hey, a hint guys if you're looking for a present don't get so your wife something or your woman, your girlfriend, something useful get her something Useless like jewelry. Okay, Um, there's something about it. Women, when they want something, if you give them something practical, make sure it does it very poorly. Like if you're going to give them a candle, don't just give them a candle or a torch. Get them one of these beeswax things with smelly stuff, which stinks the place out, and wrap it all up in beeswax and so on. It looks all beautiful and special. Very poor candle, but. But what happens is there, there is something in the nature of women that they go, jewelry, and jury's the best one, is, it's, it's something which is, is, in, is intrinsically saying you are worth something just on who you are. And that's why um, when we get, in, get married and we say, well, you're the woman for me. Of all of the women in the world, you are the one I want. We give them a diamond ring. Congratulations, guys. Beautiful ring too. A lot bigger than the one I gave my wife, to be frank. Yeah? It's a beauty. And costs a lot of money, and it, but it doesn't do much. But it symbolizes that to the woman, I am a person of dignity and worth and value. I am loved for who I am. And what happens is what Peter is saying, don't just let your beautification, your your building of your own personal value be based on wearing these gold and jewels because that can be a fake. You can be trying to do something which you're not. Let your focus be on your your true worth before God. Come to know God's love, to receive that and find just the wonder that God loves you. Accept that from your husband and your children that you are valuable for who you are. And that's the idea of jewels. Let's not look for the the thing which is external but strive to be a woman who knows her intrinsic worth before God and people and if we did that we would have if people did that the world did that for women there never would have been a feminist movement and following something which is not going to be very effective and the final thing is clothing now what what clothing symbolizes and God's made the world so the physical reality is speaking of spiritual realities always and the clothing is speaking about what we do now with men what do we do Okay, I want to be get. I want to become a policeman. I wear a policeman's uniform. I want to be a fireman. We have fireman's clothes. And so what happens is clothes ref, reflect what we want to do. When we're going when we're going to a party, what do we want to do? I want to go with with clothes which just show my own personal me. The things I do. And so clothing is is a reflection of the things we do. And so what Peter's saying is don't focus, put so much focus on getting all of this individuality and stuff about your clothes. Put your bigger focus on what is it you're doing. So for instance in the book of Revelation it talks about the bride of Christ and the bride of Christ is not just a, a purchased bride, It's she has a beautiful adornment which with these fine linen garments and it says which are the, the good deeds of the church. And so there's a link in our mind which we which is you know the bible makes clear in our modern world doesn't understand between our clothing and what we do and it's and when we are looking at clothing we're saying I want to be recognized for the things I do well be recognized by seeking to be a woman who does acts of loving kindness which are your eternal greatness and glory now I just want to make a few quick points from this i um, I've been mulling over this for a lot of times, and these are just some pithy little ideas just coming from these points. But I just chuck out in no particular order. I could have had a thousand. I actually did very well to reduce it to six. Um, let's have a look at it. Just first is Peter is saying that women. Peter is saying women can and should adorn themselves, but it should be modest to show your focus is on the inequalities symbolised by the outer adornments. Is that clear? Secondly, a woman should dress in clothes which modestly present her sexual nature. Don't hide it. it says I am a woman. I am feminine. A woman should dress in clothes which modestly present her sexual nature. Immodest dress communicates that she is willing to give sexual pleasure to any man who can see her. That is the message. Thirdly, men have to control the lust of their eyes. It's not that the, the difference between God made us male and female. We all have our own issues and problems, our own battles which are different. Some of them are all shared, but there is a little bit difference. Men have to control the lust of their eyes. They have to control their sexual urge. Women have to control the proper public presentation of their bodies. Just the way it is. Um, single women, quick bit of advice. dress to say you are a godly woman who desires a godly man. If you go fishing... The type of fish you want to catch is determined by the bait. Okay? If you want a man who would want you only for your body, who is only interested in his own desires and emotions, there's plenty of advice out in the world as to how you can find a man like that. I fear for you. But that's my advice to single women. Um, Married women, again, really important point dressed to say you desire no other man but your husband and you want your you want to help your husband be glad he has you don't know whether i can say it better than that it's as good as i can do it anyway and finally peter says in this passage that a wife who fears the lord finds peace joy and and contentment in being a suitable helper for a husband. Um, when women find a husband and, and find this submission in their hearts and stop fighting about it, they find as much peace as you can find in this troubled world. Feminism has not brought women freedom, but greater bondage and greater difficulties. Um, finally, I just want to look at bit of abuse because I know that as soon as people speak on on submission to wives, says what about that that's what about men who abuse you and I agree totally in fact I do I spend a lot of time dealing and encouraging people not necessarily in the church um, often not people in the church dealing with how to handle abusive family situations Spend a lot of time on it. I understand. And so the passage actually, you actually read it, 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 it recognises being in submission implies that you're vulnerable. And it's not simply the domain of women. For instance, men in our workplaces get, are subject to abuse and so on. As soon as you get authority structure in a sinful world... You've got vulnerable, and that was the whole point in Genesis when, um, when Eve uh, sinned, God said to her, "Cursed are you because of this." You know, your you know, your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. He says, "Well, hey, you've unlo- you've un- you've uncorked a problem. Now you are going to have to live in in a relationship where you are going to be vulnerable to hurt because you're physically weaker than men, and that that has made you vulnerable, and you will never be able to escape that vulnerability." But so the second thing about abuse is this: is that um. What Peter does, and uh, particularly applying for the normal situation, is the struggle that women face is how that they can conquer fear Because because women feel vulnerable physically and psychologically And when you, as I said, you can see that psychological damage comes from women who are totally focused on the outside. They're trying to heal the hurt which has happened to them. Um, What he's saying, what uh, Peter's saying is is that the the struggle a woman faces is how to conquer the fear. And so um, the woman has to, um, in Peter's word, do what is right and do not give way to fear. It is the struggle of going, okay, in submitting myself to the husband, in allowing him to have the final say. It, submission doesn't mean you don't speak, you, you're a, you're a, you just get walked on. It, you know, the scripture is you, two become one and the wife is to be valued as the husband. The wife needs to communicate and say, but the husband needs to make for decision someone has to make the final decision and so um, that fills women with fear and their struggle will be um, how not to give way to fear but how can I trust that God will care for me the one who is in authority and has control of my husband how can, and so that's the that's a, a challenge and so the passage is, is just filled with that concept now um, the third thing we see here and it's quite actually amazing is that it gives the example of Sarah now if you want to have a, um, a look of a, an example of a woman who submitted to her husband well Sarah's a great example but think of the difficulties of following Abraham Abraham was called by God to leave his family, leave his country and go to a land and spend the rest of his life living in tents. How would you have liked to be Sarah? And what did she do? She said, God's call on my husband's life defines my my life because I'm her husband and I go with him. And, And she found peace and contentment in that and as the passage says, and she called her husband Lord. Now, Abraham a few times um, told her to not tell people who asked her about who she was, Tell her, don't say you're my wife, tell them, tell them you're my sister. He was, she was his, his half-sister because he was scared that they would kill them. So Abraham was fearful, so Sarah um, ended up as a result in that in the, in the harem of Pharaoh and in the harem of a king. this guy called King Abimelech. Twice and both times God rescued Sarah, told Abraham off, and told Pharaoh or the king off. And it's a great example of how when a woman doesn't give way to fear but can learns to trust God that God is able to protect and deliver. Now the final point on this and a really important one and I know that the passage brings it out is is that um, Sometimes submissing, a woman, woman has to submit to her husband say, he makes a bad decision. I disagree with him totally. I think it's a stupid thing. I think you're off the wall. Um, but you're the husband, I'll submit. But there's other times where the woman and all the children are in severe danger of physical harm. And if that danger is, comes, um, it, to submission is going to be really bad and to that the scripture says this is that the the wife when you've got those questions to say look this is not good it's my husband's beating my husband's got on drugs he's spending all of our family money with a gambling addiction what should she do just go oh yeah cool no what scripture says in this passage is is that um she is um she is to appeal to people in authority over husband I'm not willing to disobey you but I'm appealing to a higher authority and to hold the husband accountable to his commitments and that's not just the responsibility of the wife it's also the responsibility of your community and it was the loss of this community um, sticky-beaking into marriage which caused a lot of the abuse problems. Society has a responsibility given by God to make sure they hold the men accountable to their promise to love and protect their wives. And wives should not just cover up huge abuse, they should, I say, look at your husband and say, I'll forgive you once but you do it again, I'm leaving and I'm telling In other words, you appeal to a higher authority. Now there's lots I could say, but all I've said that for is to say I understand the concerns when we talk about submission, but um, it's about understanding the whole passage of Scripture. And the whole passages. So we see here. It says this is Peter speaking to the husbands, holding the husbands accountable. He says, "Husbands, in the same way, in other words, in the fear of God, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker vessel. Just make sure these are vul- they're vulnerable people. You need to you need to give them extra special care. And the society must demand a high standard for men, and they tend to rise to it." And um, so, and as heirs with you uh, of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. And he's saying, Hey, husband, if you don't protect your wife, if you hurt her instead, God will stop answering your prayers and you will end up in, in judgment. And then he says, Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, lovers, brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Again, Peter, as an authority, figure speaking into the into the family structure okay so just want to um just encourage you, you guys do that put on the armor of god and i've done that previously so i have a little prayer to put on the armor of god this is a little putting on the adornment of god for women okay I have sort of I had been nightmares when I wake up this morning I think that was a stupid idea Russ but I'm thinking no I'm going to go with it I think it's a good idea now but I'm a bit ambivalent but maybe some women will really love it the idea is is when you're getting dressed you can think about this special instruction about beautifying your life and so as you do your hair you say, this external hair, well, it's just, you know, I've made it a bit, bit pretty, but I'm thinking about, hey, I want to bring my heart in submission to God, in the, into this. So I'm going to put on the adornment of God, not just the external, but the inner internal. Then as you're putting your jewellery on, I don't know whether women put their jewellery on before they're closed, but um, as you're putting on your jewellery, you're putting on your necklaces, you're putting your rings on, you're going, well, hey, yes, I'm a person of worth. That's what this jewellery, this person has given me this because they, they intrinsically value me. But I am going to celebrate my value as a daughter of God, redeemed by Christ and loved by him. I'm going to celebrate and think not on, not on these external symbols but upon the inner knowledge that I am loved by God. And then as you're getting dressed and you're putting your little um, your, your uniform on for your work or whether you're putting a, your little personal things on, you say, well, God, I, it's not just about my clothes, it's about the things I do. Am I doing good works which make me eternally Worthwhile of a thing in my life before you. And so I encourage you as you're getting dressed each day, ladies, hair, jewelry, clove, not looking at the external, but the things to which they point. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you value women and men equally and you made them different. We thank you that you have put authority structures in place in our society for our good. We know they are sorely tested because of human sin, but they become even more essential in a world of sin. We pray, Lord, I pray for the women in this church. Lord, I pray for each one of them. I pray that they would not just be externally as beautiful as they can be, but they would be internally and eternally beautiful to you. That they would be women who find their place as you've given it to them. That they would be that they would submit to the the place you've you've given them in their lives and find great peace and security and joy in it. Lord, I pray that you would give them um, a deep knowledge of their intrinsic worth, without even thinking of what they do, but they would know that they are loved by the everlasting God. Lord, I pray that they would know that Christ himself gave his body on the cross to purchase them and make them their their own. That they have people in their lives who value them, not just for what they do, but for who they are. Husbands, children. Friends, and that you would keep this ever before them, and Lord, I pray that you would enable the women to know that you want them to um, do good deeds that bring them eternal glory, that they can rejoice in eternity, knowing that the things they did, often little insignificant things, the changing of a nappy the um, the caring of of um, a parent, Lord, so many other things which often go unnoticed, that every single one is valuable to you and you've noticed and you will eternally reward them. Father, I pray that you would minister to each of the women in this place today. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.